up, Craig? Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Miller. And uh, it is the non-stats episode of the podcast. That's right. We're back twice a week sports. If you were expecting to hear us talk about movies, the movies podcast officially launched. It is now available. You can go find it under the name Juicing the Big Screen. It should be available at all places where podcasts are available. Um, as they say, you can find it on Twitter at Big Screen Juice. <laughs> to keep up with it. Uh, so today we are, is our first day of... Um, or I guess the first week of back to both days, both episodes being sports. Corwin, how's it feel to be stooped in sports yet again? It's weird having to go in and just like talk about whatever. And not, I mean, I guess that's what we have been doing with the once a week podcast, but it's like, ah, we, we have to talk about whatever. Yeah. No, no, you're right. There, there's way more flexibility. Like I didn't, prep anything really for today's episode because like when we used to do this episode six months ago it was just what are the 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 news topics all right we'll talk about them and then that was it so and whereas the other day a week even throughout the pandemic has been more focused and we'd like pick specific things to prep and talk about and this one it's not so yeah it's definitely weird to be back back at it uh where would you like to start uh, let's start on a light note. Um, uh, I'm sure I'm going to name this this episode after something to do with the Bucks uh, story, so it's not going to be a surprise that we will eventually talk about it. But let's start on a light note. Let's talk about Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Um. In what is a good game? Uh, yeah. He. Yeah. He has. Man. In what has been one of definitely the 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 brightest points on what is already a very feel good White Sox team has been the growth and development of Lucas Giolito, who went from being um, the worst, statistically speaking, worst starter starting pitcher in all of baseball, uh, qualified starting pitcher, I should add that caveat, in 2018. He is now, he has lowered his ERA every season for the past three seasons and has thrown a, a no, a, one single walk away from being a perfect game. Uh, is how that went. He yeah. faced 28 batters. It's amazing how uh, a guy who came from such humble beginnings, you know, no-name prospect, can come out of the basement of all pitchers in MLB and pitch to the level the past two years where he has. I mean, he got picked, let's see here, 16th overall. Um, not many guys drafted in that area of the draft, uh, you know, become something. So it's really nice to see uh, Giolito come out of out of the woods, out of the the woodworks, if you will, to uh, to be able to pitch this achievement. So, so ju- just to to really talk about the stats, because I'm sure every, if you're on baseball Twitter, you saw the tweets that said exactly what I just said. Let's put some numbers behind it, just to just to cement that. That that statement um, in 2018, which is the the year in question, uh, he had he played he, he had 32 starts, by far the most. He had starts for Chicago in 2017, only seven of them. He also had starts with the Washington Nationals in 2016, where he was originally um, in the majors. He had, I he had four completely starts. Completely forgotten about that. 
Dude, I genuinely, when I opened up this page, it, it, I don't, I'm not sure I ever knew that. Um, so it was definitely weird to see. But again, 2018 was the first year where he like started a full season. You know, White Sox really trying to make him into into a, a real starting pitcher. So 32 starts, 173.1 innings. He had a 6.13 ERA. Not good. 123 runs, 118 earned runs, which led all of baseball. 90 walks, which led the American League. Um, 27 home runs allowed. Um, he had 125 strikeouts, a FIP of 5.5, a WHIP of 1.47, uh, an ERA plus of 69. Uh, I was waiting for a nice. I didn't get one. Oh wow, I'm surprised you're slipping, Corwin. Uh, I was distracted by looking up the trade for Lucas Giolito. All good. A strikeout to walk ratio of 1.39. Like it, it bad. It's really bad. And we'll talk yeah. about this year, but because we're not gonna, we do not have a full 162 game season this year to talk about the stats of, um, nor will we get that. Uh, I just want to compare this to his 2019 stats super quick. So, 2018, 131, 170. Jesus fucking Christ, 173.1 innings pitched. 2019, 176.2 innings pitched. So more innings, 3.1 more innings, but more innings. Uh, his ERA damn near cut in half from 6.13 to 3.41. His game started actually lower, uh, 29 instead of 32. No real reason for that, but it's interesting that he threw more innings with fewer starts. Three complete games, two shutouts. Um, he went from allowing 118 earned runs to 67, damn near cut that in half. His intention, his, sorry, his walks allowed him from 90 to 57, cut that down by a full third. He still allowed a similar amount of home runs, 24 versus 27, uh, but his, it, it, all the stats around it are, you know, if, if you're allowing fewer base runners and his whip dropped by 400, it went from 1.477 to 1.064, then you, you can stomach the home runs more. It means they're going to be allowing more solo shots and while solo shots still suck, it doesn't suck nearly as much as allowing two and three run home runs. Um, his strikeouts also fucking nearly doubled. They increased by a hundred, one hundred more strikeouts is a ridiculous number. One hundred twenty five in twenty eighteen to two hundred twenty eight in twenty nineteen. Um, Eleven fewer hit by pitches, showing just a better demonstration of control. And his ERA plus. It, the his ERA compared to league average also doubled. It went from 69 to 134. Uh, and that brings us to this year. His stats are even getting better. His ERA is down from 3.41 last year to 3.09 this year. Uh, his, his, I'm telling you the more rate stats, his, his um, FIP is also down from 1.064 to 1.008. Uh, hits per nine is down. Home runs per nine is down. Walks per nine is up, but not a huge deal uh, by 0 0.6. Uh, his strikeouts per nine is up, and his uh, strikeouts per walk is down, which, again, due to the walk increase as a rate, but, not again, not a huge deal when everything else is moving so so much so in the correct direction. Um, just so nice to see from this guy. Yeah, I mean, so just to uh, finally give some context with that trade I just looked up, um, he was traded in 2016 uh, from the Washington Nationals to the Chicago White Sox. 
along with Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning, who just made his MLB debut this week, uh, in exchange for Adam Eaton. Oh, okay. So just without looking, how would you say who who do you think won that trade? As of, as it stands, it seems pretty even in my mind. But uh, considering the fact that Giolito is about it ha- is looking like he's going to be a real deal front end starter, and Adam Eaton is like on the way out. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, it would have to be favoring the White Sox. So. I will say Adam Eaton went to the Nationals and was a fairly large part in their World Series win. Um, that being said, since 2017, he has a combined 2.7 war. Meanwhile, Lucas Giolito has seven combined war. Ronaldo Lopez has 3.8 war. And Dane Dunning uh, just had uh, a pretty spectacular MLB debut, but still, again, has, well, on one hand, has the entirety of his MLB career ahead of him, has only pitched one game. So I would heavily favor the White Sox in this because at the end of the day, they have a 26-year-old ace pitcher and the Nationals have Adam Eaton. It you know it it's tough it, it to me it, I would say it makes sense um, I would say both teams ended up doing it doing the right thing here because of where their playoff windows are with the Nationals making the most of theirs and winning the World Series and again like you said like Adam Eaton definitely a contributor um, to say how much more so they would have done with those three players it's challenging. But they did win a World Series. That's a fact. Whereas yeah. the White Sox were not prepared to win a World Series at the time and are looking more and more so like the next three, four years would have that possibility within it. So uh, this trade just seemed to really work for both ends of it. Um, I'm not, I, yeah, I really, I really don't think I'd pick a side here. Just imagine what their what the Washington Nationals would have been like last year with a starting rotation of. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Lucas Giolito, and Anibal Sanchez. Jesus, who, who, man. Wow. No, I that's, can't even. That's a that's ridiculous lineup. insane, like, that's four dudes who finished, like, with Cy Young voting. Wow. Jesus Christ. Um, hey, though, they still, they still won the World Series. Yeah, that's, that's what really matters. Uh, this, I, I don't know, man. 2018 Lucas Giolito, probably not going to keep Bryce Harper around. 2019, though, yeah, I don't know. But it's also tough with like how much, big. how yeah. much um, time would he have really gotten in the majors to work through his issues when you had so much good starting uh, pitching ahead of him? Because like one of the reasons that he was able to pitch all of 2018 while sucking dong was because the the Sox weren't going for anything. The losses didn't matter to them because the season was a waste. All they were trying to do is figure out who's good and develop the talent that they really believed in, which is how Giolito is probably here today doing what he's doing. So I'm saying it just seems so beneficial for both ends. You know what I mean? I feel like it's one of those things where at the end of the day, like 
sure that may have been the specific reason he did really well. Um, but also pitching, you know, in the same, you know, sharing the kind of information that you could get from guys like Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin. And the fact is you are still a top 15, excuse me, top 16 MLB pick. You have insane pedigree. You were a top prospect. You're still going to get your innings. They're still going to want to work with you and turn you into that ace-level pitcher because you have such great potential. You can't say one way or the other, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't know. That's that's what you say at the end of the day. I have no idea. Because it's baseball and nobody has any fucking idea. Nobody knows. Uh, oh, man. And this 2018 Nationals team, for in terms of pitching, because now I'm just curious, uh, it's Scherzer... Strasburg, Tanner Roark, who had a good, had a, I don't want to say good, he had an okay season that year. Gio Gonzalez had an okay season that year. Jeremy Hellickson had a weirdly good season for Jeremy Hellickson. And then Eric Fetty, I do not remember him being there. Um, yeah, 11 yeah. games is enough that I should remember that, but I really don't remember that. Uh, and as crazy as it sounds, I just, yeah, I don't think, as crazy as it sounds, I don't think Giolito was going to get time over Gio Gonzalez or Tanner Roark, as fucking hilarious as that sounds today. But right. yeah, who fucking knows, man? It's uh, baseball is the is the constant and great unknown. Uh, but I'm so happy for Giolito. I watched the last two innings of that game after I saw that it was a no no. Uh, after I got some of the no no notifications, which I don't usually do, but as anyone who listens to this podcast might be aware. I just fucking love the White Sox, man. Yeah. I have no I have no real reason. I've been on the bandwagon for the last like three years. So now that they're good, I am claiming that I've been here long enough to not be a true the one of the bad bandwagons. I'm one of the good bandwagons. I, I've been here since Tim Anderson was all we had. I um, am so happy to have hopped off the Pirates bandwagon. Oof. Yeah, they don't deserve it. No, um, they are although, actually I do have one more talking point we can we can do before we shift over to basketball. One of the few times we'll ever say that. Uh, final props to Giolito. Love you, dude. So happy for you. Uh, Absolutely. The Angels have a worse winning percent than the Pirates. What? And I don't understand how it's possible that the Angels... And their three, the three thirteen win percent. That is oh, sorry, they don't, sorry, sorry, they don't. They don't. It is better. It is marginally better, but it is better. Um, so they have the worst over four. It is forty four points higher. <laughs> it, I'm saying marginally only because not the points, but because there's so few games in a season. Although they have, all right, they, so they have three more wins, but they also have three more losses. It's such a push. I I would not say that's a push. Ah, uh, yeah. If you, if, you, if you gave the Pirates are... six more games, they wouldn't win. They wouldn't go five hundred. You're right. It, yeah. It's a lot worse. The Pirates are a lot worse. I take. Like, I retract they just my came statement. Off like a three-game winning streak, which they will not top. I can promise you, they the, will not top. The Pirates the are currently on a two-game losing streak. <laughs> um, 
Yeesh. Anyway, so I'll I'll rephrase my my conversation topic to be uh, the Angels have the worst win percent in the American League. Um, as tragically bad as Boston has been, the Angels still have no more wins and two more losses than the Red Sox have. Um, the Kansas City Royals and the Detroit Tigers, who went into the season with bottom of the barrel expectations, are doing significantly better than the Angels. Um, I don't think I could name you five players on the Detroit Tigers right now with any large degree of certainty, and I can name you five all-star players on the Angels. Yeah. The fact um, that they're this bad is genuinely puzzling at this point. Their pitching has been truly unbearably un, un, like awful. Like Dylan Bundy has been a breath of fresh air. Everyone else has been awful, and that and I I think this is really you know you know the old adage uh, defense wins championships and I I think you have to think of in for baseball your pitcher is being your ultimate form of defense uh, and wow are the Angels proving that point right because offensively that's such an amazing team oh like their God. lineups are so good even with holes in them. Which is again hilarious that I'd have to give that caveat since he's historically speaking he's a hundred war like he's a good player or was, uh, but Josh. even with him in there like that lineup's beautiful, Josh. but that pitching what they have four starters batting under the Mendoza line. I what? have no idea. I like I had no idea it was this bad. Justin Upton. Is batting ninety nine, like zero nine nine. Yeah, like he has seventy eight plate appearances too. Like he has played that's not enough a for that to stabilize. That's a lot. That's yep. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh Holy man, Otani one eighty three, three ninety two. So hold on. So here too. All right, hold on. I got to read this out loud. Mike so, Trout has a hundred and fifty oh, points higher slugging percentage. All right, so OPS plus by position, catcher Max Stasi currently on the IL, 125, but again, currently on the IL. Albert Pujol, 68 for first base. Second base, Louis Rengifo, 45. Shortstop, David Fletcher, 129. Third base, Anthony Rendon, 169. Left field, Justin Upton, 6. Center field, Mike Trout, 140. Right field, Joe Adele, 31. DH, Shohei Otani, 80. These are bad. Wow, these are really bad. Yeah. Your bench looks pretty decent. Infielder Tommy LaStella at 130. Brian Goodwin at 124. Anthony Bemboom at, at 191. Um, Jason Castro even at 101. Um, but Jesus Christ, this is awful. Now uh, we go down to team pitching. If you want to do, uh, what do you want to hear? ERA plus? Yeah, just keep it consistent. Dylan Bundy having a f fantastic season. Which is hilarious. 173. I don't understand. Uh, Andrew Heaney, number two guy. Uh, definitely thought highly of him this season. 81. Not good. Griffin Canning, you know, second year guy, sophomore, has 92. Meh. Patrick Sandoval, 67. Not good. Julio Tehran, 49. Bad. Jose Suarez, their number six pitcher right now, 13. 
13? Yeah, he has a 38.57 ERA. Oh, he's pitched 2.1 innings. Yeah, I think he got... I forgive him and his 38 ERA. Um, And the thing is, like, I He has a 38 ERA and only a 13 ERA plus. Uh. And, like... It's got to be player development. It's not a shortage of them giving out contracts. It's player development. Who who amongst these these people? I mean, pick a pick a person, any pitching or batting, has been has been brought up through the system. Mike Trout. It, that's it, right? Like that. Joe that's Adele. it. Joe Adele, who's playing poorly. He's playing awful. And granted, he's a rookie, and like this is basically what we said. What I just said about Lucas Giolito, like the Angels, I don't think it's sad they should have expectations, but they don't have expectations, so they're giving him a lot of playing time because the team is bad, and you'd rather develop Joe Adele than not have him play for literally no reason, especially in a season where there is no minor league season. Um, but he's playing poorly. Albert Pujols playing poorly, and and a contract person. Like so many of these people are are via. Uh, trades straight into the starting roles or via uh, free agent contracts. And almost none of these guys were brought up within the system. And as much as like you can just sign, as much as like we give shit to the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox for like just buying up contracts, uh, which is true. All those teams also develop talent. Cody, like the Dodgers are full of player development success stories. The Yankees have a bunch of player development success stories or have su- trade success stories with undervalued players. Same thing with the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, I understand, are playing so poorly right now because their entire starting pitching disappeared in the snapping. But like, still, that, that there's a lot of really good pieces to that team. Like They'll, they'll be back pretty soon uh, when, well, after you get a, they get a few drafts and a few more... Uh, trade deadline seasons underneath their belt, so probably another three seasons or four seasons. But like all of these teams show that they can bring talent from within. That's what makes the Cardinals an evergreen team of success. Like my God, the the Angels, Jesus Christ. Here's a here's a hot take for you, uh, Joe Madden. You know, three time manager of the year and World Series champion, Joe Madden. Uh, this is the worst pr- win percentage in the entirety of his career. A full 50 points lower than the lowest in his career, which was his inaugural season as head coach of the California Angels. Oh, my God. He it's... hasn't had a winning percentage below 400 since 2006, his first year with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Yeah, and he brought them to a World Series in like two seasons. Yeah. So, uh, whew. yeah, it's so bad. Uh, three seasons, Josh. His third season, they went to the Sorry, yes. I... Excuse me. Yes, you are correct. And then lost to the Philadelphia Phillies, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he lost to Roy Halladay, not the Phillies. And and Ja Hap. Don't forget about Ja Hap, <laughs> also on that team. Uh, I man. honestly, like, I absolutely did not follow baseball in 2008. I was far too young and disinterested. But I know, like, a weird amount of players from that team. Oh, sure. Well, especially with the area we grew up in. Yeah, very true. Um, 
Yeah, I the Angels are shaping up to be one of the most pathetic stories in baseball history in terms of team success versus talent. Like Mike Trout having played in I think we've looked at it. I don't feel like looking it up again, but I think it's a single playoff game. Um, I think he had one wild card game in there. Uh, that's the equivalent. Like, imagine if Willie Mays never made it to the playoffs. Imagine if Mickey Mantle never made it to the playoffs. Even though, like, people talk about Barry Bonds not winning the World Series as being a big deal. At least he went to one. Right. And I understand that there's still plenty of time for Mike Trout. There's like 12 more years on the contract he's on alone. But at the same time, like, the dude's almost 30, and I'm not talking about his decline in age or in production because obviously it's not. That's not the point. I'm talking about the fact that like he's been in the bigs for a while, and the Angels are just like incapable of getting through to this division. And I get that you have the Astros now. They weren't doing this in 2016. I get that you have the A's now, like they, but they weren't doing this at that point in time either. And guess what? The A's and the Astros didn't do anything that the Angels can't also do outside of the Astros cheating a lot. But in terms strictly of player development, the Astros lost a bunch of games, which the Angels are phenomenal at, and then drafted really good players, which the, apparently the Angels can't fucking do. The A's keep trading away talent, which the Angels could do, and getting bet, getting good, young, controllable players under under control for a while, winning with, with who they can, signing who they can to what they can, and then moving on. Like, there are winnable strategies that are taking place within their own division that the Angels just can't replicate. And it's bizarre that they can't. Like, you'd think that they would like fall ass backwards into a World Series season the way that the Mets did in 2015 and the way that the Royals did for two consecutive years. Like, the Red Sox went from worst to first like six times in the last 10 years, it feels like. And, and won three World Series along the way. The fact that the Angels have this much talent that is, one, currently underperforming, and two, still not enough when it's not underperforming, is insane. It's just so disappointing. You know, like, it's one of those, like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed moments. Because there's no excuse. There is no. No. Yeah, if I if I was an Angels fan, which I wouldn't do that to myself, but if I was, uh, I don't know if there's anything keeping me attached to that team that's not a fish. Like, you have the fish, man, that's it. I don't know what else you're rooting for right now. I get Shohei Otani, but all he is now is a DH because I really just doubt he's going to be pitching again. Um with any seriousness after two injuries within like four outings. Like it's just not good. Um, I I expect him to come back as a pitcher in the future. I I get, you're probably right. And I'm probably being too down on him. I just worry because of um, how much strain we put pitchers uh, or I guess pitchers put themselves under to throw so fucking hard. And Otani was one of those dudes who throws so fucking hard and has already shown a tough time coming back from Tommy John. I fear for him. Not that I don't want him to pitch. I want him to pitch. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put my eggs in that basket anytime soon with uh how just how difficult of a time he had coming back from that Tommy John surgery and the fact he's not pitching again this season. 
Um, I but, would be so beyond devastated if he stopped pitching. I and that's the road I th- I'd and that's the road I'm going to tell all Angels fans who might listen to this to go down. Brace for that because your team has a terrible history with pitcher injuries, and I would expect that there, Shohei Otani has a better chance of of I don't even pitching left-handed than he ever has pitching right-handed again because he the angels pitching staff or the player development staff or the training health and training staff or whatever staff they have is um i don't know a glorified hit squad against pitching it's like they got hired by the 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 astros to just fuck with you guys it's crazy i would never expect Otani to pitch again who has a worse medical staff the angels the San Diego Chargers or the New York Mets? Uh, the New York Yankees. Uh, Everyone's hurt all the time. I hate it. No, I don't understand Giancarlo it. And Judge. Giancarlo, and Hicks. Judge, Hicks. Um, everybody. Jack it's everybody. Ryan, Luis Severino hasn't pitched in two years. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck, man. It's crazy. Everyone's hurt. Paxton's on the I.L. Gleyber Torres is on the I.L. And Duhar missed a whole season. Like, F- F- everyone's hurt all the time. And yeah, it's cool that we keep winning. I just want to watch my team play baseball, man. Anyway. Anyway. Um, baseball is at least being played at the moment. Um, it is, uh, for reference, it is 6.51, almost 7 o'clock. Wednesday, uh, August 26th, uh, the Yankees play the first game of a doubleheader. We will see if the second game gets played um, as the Brewers have already called off their game tonight against the Reds to follow in solidarity with the Milwaukee Bucks calling off their game, their playoff game uh, in the NBA, which then caused a ripple effect. I won't even say that because that that sounds like it's all unrelated, which then caused the rest of the NBA to stand in solidarity with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, to boycott their own playoff games and to show a a stance in solidarity with the protests happening uh, across the state of Wisconsin right now after a shooting in Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, a city I had never heard of before and wish I still didn't know the name of. Um, as we once again see racial injustice being brought to the forefront of the sports community, um, as surprise, surprise, uh, most athletes, um, in the NBA are black. A lot of athletes in the NFL are black An underrepresented amount of baseball players in the MLB are black. Uh, it might be a surprise to most people, but, uh, black people are athletes and also black people, um, and don't like it when. You missed uh, that and, aspect of it, you know. Yeah, you know, it's so wacky. Uh, it. So I, I love what the Bucks are doing. I think we'll start there. Um, I, I, I think it's so great, not only um, in today news, is it great that the Bucks are doing this um, as a show that they will not go on with life as usual while terrible things are happening to. Um, not just in the world, not just in the U.S., but to their specific group of people, to black people at the hands of police, which has been a very hotly discussed topic uh, throughout the summer this year, um, as it should 
be more of a discussion uh, across politics, news, sports communities, what have you. It's been mainly focused on this season after the George Floyd incident um, or the George Floyd murder, to be more specific and correct. Um, so I love what the Bucks are doing. And it also, I think it's a great thing to show how far we've come as a society, specifically in the sports world, where Colin Kaepernick kneeling in 2016 got him shadow banned from from the league and then the milwaukee bucks can be like we're not gonna play playoff basketball today and everyone's like yeah awesome man like you shouldn't that makes me happy well, i it. wouldn't well, say everyone you're right you're right you're right it's not everybody but the fact that the league also put it this way the league will st- and again nba a far more progressive league than the nfl but there's still the fact that that a league is that their league is standing behind them with this um, and now we're seeing the MLB, I think, likely to be okay with the Brewers missing their game. I'm not sure they're going to ban all baseball games. It's one of the things I'm waiting on seeing with this Yankees game. But still, the fact that the the Brewers are also taking this position and hopefully getting um, support from the MLB with this, it's a big step. It's a really big step for how we interact with racial issues that intersect with the things we like watching on TV, because the things we like watching on TV don't exist in a vacuum the way people typically like to think of them as. You know, I I really don't think that we are going to see Rob Manfred and the MLB ban game, not ban games, but uh, postpone the entirety of the games uh, any given day because of these protests. Uh, just because, God, Adam Silver is, you know, such a leading edge of progressive changes when it comes to professional sports leagues. Uh, and Rob Manfred is so far on the trailing edge that it's it's a joke. I don't think there's any way it happens. You know, the amount of players who are willing to take a stand and speak up are significantly smaller. The I'll say the focus of fans is in a significantly different place. Uh, and I just, I cannot in a million years see them make that kind of decision. Um, but basically allowing these teams to boycott without coming out and saying, all right, if you don't play like you forfeit, that's the way it is. We're not going to, you know, no tolerance type bullshit with sitting out. I will say that is a surprise that I'm very happy to see. Uh, it is being reported as of uh, 47 minutes ago from Jeff Passan that there are more teams talking about also standing in solidarity with, again, not just the Brewers, but the entire NBA um, in terms of sitting tonight's games out. So if you're listening to this, you already know what happens. We don't. Um, right. But yeah, it is that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it is so great to see because if you don't get mad when someone tells LeBron James to shut up and dribble, I don't understand who you are as a person because we can't possibly reasonably expect people who do something to be that one thing and nothing else. Like LeBron James isn't just a guy who plays basketball and then goes back into the sleep pod that the Lakers have for him until it's time for him to continue playing basketball He's he's a he's a person. Specifically with the current situation, he is a black person. And seeing 
what's happening to people that 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 share his skin color have these types of things constantly occurring to them and brought into the into the mainstream of of the news outlets and social media you're going to want to take a stand on that mm-hmm. it it's it's very reasonable to have someone say i have a platform and i will use that platform to effectuate the positive things i would like to see in society like that that's a normal thing to do and we praise it when it comes in other places like when lebron james opened up his his school in chicago for underprivileged youth everyone acknowledges that that's a wonderful thing because schools are good generally speaking and things of any type that help underprivileged kids is also generally speaking usually good but you have to recognize that that is him acting outside of his role as a basketball player and if you're willing to acknowledge that him using his platform and his money for something that is positive outside the world of basketball is good. You also have to acknowledge the fact that when he does it with other things that maybe you don't disagree with, he's not wrong for doing it, whether or not you disagree with it. Although this time, if you disagree with it, you're a bad person. You should go fuck yourself. Yeah. um, I know we generally like to keep the politics out of this um, because we like this to be an escape. And there's enough of that on our Twitter and our personal, you know, social media accounts um but man i'll say i can't even get myself to just really give anyone in my life the time of day who voices their opinions in support of the not even in support of something but who don't have unwavering support with you know the whole black lives matter movement it's just it's it's not even close to something that I'm willing to put up with because there's no room for flexibility with it. No, no. And and if you are upset, like, like this is how stupid people, uh, and I'm going to say you, I'm not referring to Corwin in this. I'm referring to it. It's the, a general you, um, You. if you're, yeah, you, you Corwin, if you're out there saying, ah, fuck the bucks, I'm canceling my season tickets. What you're saying is, I hate the fact that the black people on my favorite basketball team are standing up with other black people. That makes me mad. I wish they would just let that go and keep playing basketball because I wanted to watch basketball tonight, not have to listen to how black people are upset about the killing of other black people because I am going to turn my eye away from racism and instead watch basketball. Josh, what you're saying is partially accurate but it is far too deep of a response from what i've heard almost you know universally from that side it's really just nobody fucking cares stick to basketball i want to watch basketball tonight that's it yeah you're right it stops there you're right you're right it's not even like how dare you you know support injustice or support the fight against injustices it's just i you don't matter to me i just want to watch basketball it is a malicious level of ignorance you're 100%. right 100 yeah you're right um so because this is a sorry i'm gonna move on a, in a, a little bit kind of uh any i didn't want to interrupt you though were you saying something no that was my dog barking because he is supporting oh, cool. black lives matter dogs bark for black lives love it um so uh, you know 
this is a sports show. I want to frame this a little bit more around the sports side of it because, as Corwin said, it's a we try to make this as politics free as we can um, because we understand it can be challenging if you have if you are an informed person and are constantly inundated with these concepts. Um, so while we will, while this is a pol- I, again, I hate using the, the phrase political in nature because it's not like racism is not politics. Ugh. And but I don't know what best to it's become politics which it, it's it so shouldn't be politics it. because it has no way shape or form any grounding in a political discussion with political parties but it's become that way because of how polarizing our two-party system has become you're right you're right um so instead of saying politics which again i can't believe this is um, how some people phrase it. We'll, we'll be very upfront about it and, and go with racial injustice. So if you are constantly being staying up to date with the current racial injustices across the nation, we try to keep this away from that. But um, one, this is something happening in sports today. This is the news edition. So uh, it, it, of course, we're going to talk about it. Uh, but also, this is a really interesting point from a labor market perspective in addition to combating racial injustice. Because as Cor and I were kind of bantering about before we started, this is a specifically the NBA, um, but I wonder how much sports as a whole generates for revenue in addition, you know, when you add all of it up, stadium revenue, um, streaming rights revenue, all that shit. Uh, but anyway, multi-billion dollar industry. And if the NBA were to come out and say, we're not playing basketball again until the officers who shot Jacob Blake are arrested. Like and the officers who shot Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor, absolutely. Um, uh, that that's a huge statement, and I'm not sure that's going to happen because logistically it would be tough. Because I don't know if the NBA's like streaming rights contracts would allow for that and if they if they'd be willing to take that financial hit of being sued for a breach of contract stuff like that um not to say that the will wouldn't be there because with how receptive we've seen Adam Silver be to these types of um i don't say demonstrations um of of personal belief i i'd want to say that the will would be there but logistically speaking i think it would just be too problematic Although, again, I would love to see it. Assuming a world where it would happen, though, what would the repercussions be? Like, is, is the, the purchasing power of 30 billionaires, NBA owners, enough sheer capitalistic force <laughs> to, to move the needle of justice in the right direction? As cold-blooded and disgusting as that is, because it shouldn't take 30 billionaires getting together and saying, hey, police, do the right thing so we can get on with our lives. Um, if it did happen, would that be enough? Yes. But the thing is, I don't think you would get 30 owners in agreement to allow that to happen. Um, I think if the NBA as a whole decided to shut down, we would see significant changes occurring um just because that's what gets people motivated and that's what gets people to care 
And that's the attention, the negative attention that politicians despise, especially in Wisconsin, where, like it or not, it's a political issue this year because it's an election year and Wisconsin's a battleground state. Um, it's disgusting to think about that that's all it would take is, you know, at this point, how many playoff teams? There's six, 12 teams left. No, for, for the M- NBA. Yeah. How many teams are left in the playoffs? Oh man. You're really pushing no my knowledge of the NBA. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're down eight? to, I think we're down to eight. Yeah. Because so, the, because that was the whole thing. The, the, the trailblazers were playing the yeah. Grizzlies to see who got the eight seats. So, yeah. It's eight. So all it all it takes is the majority of an eighty person group to say we're not going to play the next twenty games of basketball to have the entirety of not even there's let's say let's average it out to th- two games left because it's a best of seven series plus we'll say full seven game series for both the conference and. Uh, NBA Finals. So, what? 16 games? The majority of 80 people saying we're not going to play 16 games of basketball to completely change the, you know, trajectory of social justice in this country? That's the way it works. If you got the majority of the top 80 richest people in this country to want something... Guess what? That's going to happen. No questions asked. And and that's really, I think, what it's all about. Like the what what I think we've been talking about here is the fact that these are not just basketball players. These are not just baseball players. They're not just football players. Like we saw with the Detroit Lions taking uh, canceling a practice so that they could protest. These are human beings, mm-hmm. and especially in basketball, um, these are very rich people at, at this point left. Like LeBron James has made a lot of money. He, he, as much as I'm sure he would love to add another title to his, to his, his uh, basketball reference page, he doesn't need it. And even if these were rookies, they got their whole careers ahead of them. It's not about money. It's not about even championships at this point. I'm willing to bet you that if you went up to half, if not more, ah, fuck it, three three quarters, if not more, of the NBA players left in the playoffs right now and ask them, which would you rather have? This championship from this season, this title, this ring, this playoff bonus, all of it, or justice for Breonna Taylor and, and Jacob Blake and... All the others, but most specifically, t- due to to current events and and whatnot, these two people, they're they're killers to be arrested, or in Jacob Blake's case, his assaulters, um, as he is still alive. I think th- three quarters, if not more, of the NBA would say, "Give me justice." Yeah, give me justice, and that's what this is about. Things are bigger than sports. As much as we don't talk about them on this podcast, this is a sports podcast, and these athletes have a lot of sway because, for one, they are a, they they control they are the labor 
of a nationally televised product, which is a huge amount of sway in in a, a public attention sphere, and a lot of them are very wealthy due to previously stated fact number one, um, and therefore have a lot of ability to not work and devote time, energy, and aforementioned money on causes that they care about, like this one, like these several, these many, these far too many that are in public spheres and, and the public eye right now. And you add up all that across leagues, across sports, across it all. And it sucks that it would take money to make this happen because it's not supposed to be how it happens. You got to admit, it'd be a wonderful thing to see for a unity perspective. Uh, not Again, not even just between teams, but between leagues and an athletic community come together. Um, but also the, the, the sheer justice of it all would be uh, worth that and so much more. I, I would, you know, you've heard Corn and I relenting for the past six months about wanting our sports back. I, I would happily have all of these, these leagues canceled again. If we got justice out of it. A hundred percent. Cancel NFL, college football, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, the whole full spectrum, if it means actual social justice reform. It's just so much bigger than sports. Yeah. It's, it's, like, honestly, if this is what makes a change, you know, people and money basically forcing social justice reform hopefully this would be the final straw that shows capitalism is just a plague on our country and our world as a whole as a as a quick update, the Yankees game looks like it is about it just started. First pitch was just delivered, so the Yankees game is not getting canceled. I saw that the Mariners are heavily debating it. Oh, never mind. As of forty five seconds ago, the Seattle Mariners will not play today's game against the San Diego Padres after the Mariners players agreed to postpone it per Jeff Passon. So the Mariners who are um have the have the most black players um in in of all the major league baseball teams have decided to postpone their game. Um, my hat's fucking off to you guys. I really wish the Yankees were doing this. I can't help but sit here and think the Yankees might not be doing this if CeCe Sabathia was still on the team as uh, he is retired. But it is this, this could be a real turning point in the, the sports activism community. We could get a lot more out of the sports or the athlete political commentary department. One, one of the beautiful things, um, as, as, as we come to, to the end of this conversation, as I don't want to uh, overstay my welcome on it, um, but one, one of the beautiful things about, about sports is that it, it takes people from all over. You know, I always say it's one of my favorite parts about baseball, but it, it also takes people, even, even in you know, the uh, basketball and hockey communities which and football communities which are a lot more american centric 
than baseball is, it, it, it still pulls people from all over the nation. These, these are people who, who come from all different walks of life. You get the really, with baseball, you get the really rich kids who play the travel teams. Or hockey, you get the really rich kids. End of sentence. Um, <laughs> with, with basketball, you get a lot of people who come from, again, rich families that had the money to throw behind private tutors and and travel teams and all the, the coolest sneakers. And you get kids that came from like, you know, uptown in in new york who 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 had a ball and a publicly provided hoop with no actual hoop like and, and those people all come together for one reason and they all get a platform to talk about these problems and what's great about it is that it all gives them a platform to describe their various varied backgrounds and how these types of instances how these types of social justice issues that crop up can be related to these people's lives because all people in sports come from different places and can connect with people and translate what's happening in the world to audiences that might not get it, which not necessarily is their job, but if they're inclined to do so, as we've seen guys like LeBron James be, that they should be able to without being told, shut up and dribble. Without being told, shut up and pass the ball. Shut up and, and hit a home run. They shouldn't be re- reduced to just being that athlete. If we get people who want to have parts in these conversations, be allowed to and use their experience as human fucking beings to do so, that would be a beautiful thing that could come out of this in addition to fingers fucking crossed actual social justice reform. But... I'm 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 very encouraged by this. I'm so happy for the Bucks and the Brewers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I hope this is something that catches on throughout the rest of you know sports teams and uh, sports leagues. Um, you know, as much as I'd hate to see that, not hate to see that, but hate to you know give up watching sports. Um, it it's not about me. And it's not about what I want to watch in my free time to entertain myself. It's about human lives. Um, and so whatever these players do to further this cause, I will stand by it 100%. I think we should end it on that note. Anything else you want to say, though? Um, I'll save it for when future occurrences happen and I have some time to compose my thoughts. That's fair. That's fair. This is uh this is also something that happened like right before Corbin and I got on to, to talk about it. So um, if, if this was a little bit scatterbrained or if we didn't represent ourselves as well as we might have been able to, we, we are certainly sorry, but we, uh, we hope that the sentiment is understood. Um, we, we both love what we're seeing. Um, happy so happy that it's happening even though the reason for its occurrence is just fucking tragic but um so proud of the nba proud of the brewers proud of the mariners um when we wake up tomorrow i i honestly hope we see more teams and leagues um coming out with actionable steps and 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 doing whatever they can to to be the um agents of change but uh, Again, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate my welcome on this topic. Um, so let's let's put a bow on it. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at Juicing Pod. 
Remember, the movies edition has been moved to a different show. It's called Juicing the Big Screen. You can find that at Big Screen Juice on Twitter. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. And, uh, and until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.